0: Welcome to a new episode of the XR Magazine podcast. My name is Diana Olenik, your host, and today we're going to be speaking with Juliano Khalil, a PhD who is the founder of Virtual Planet Technologies and a pioneer in science communication. His work and academic research are motivated by the urgent need to reduce climate change impacts by adopting equitable solutions through inclusive community engagement. Juliano and his team are developing interactive virtual reality experiences to communicate climate change impacts and solutions to diverse audiences. Virtual Planet is working with communities across the world, including West Palm Beach, Santa Cruz, Long Beach, and Stinson Beach, California and Germany to address complex issues related to natural disasters such as coastal flooding, wildfires, and heat waves. The episode for today is quite interesting because, as you might be familiar with these technologies, there are not many ones that are addressing this particular issue with climate change, And are using it for this type of social impact. I'm so glad that Giuliano agreed to speak to us today. And of course, as always, I can't wait to begin. Let's do it. Thank you so much, Giuliano, for being here today with us. How are you doing today?
1: Thank you so much, Diana. So great to see you today. I'm doing actually doing okay today. It's been uh I live in Santa Cruz here in the central coast of California and we've been through a kind of a rough patch recently with all this atmospheric rivers. We had like nine of this, you know, huge uh, rainfalls hitting us. So we're still the city's kind of recovering and, and assessing some of the things, but finally we have some sunshine. So it's been a beautiful day over here. So I'm, I'm happy to be here with you.
0: That's amazing. One of these days I'd like to go and visit because I've heard that it also it has beautiful scenery. Thank you so much for sharing that. So to yeah. get started, maybe we can discuss a little bit about your background for, from any point that you want to start, maybe uh, at the time that you were, I, I believe you are a PhD in ocean science and coastal adaptation right. and all of that, but from any point that you want to start telling us to mm-hmm. to link into how Virtual Planet got started, that would be amazing.
1: Yeah, no, that's great. And I'll start a little earlier, but I won't take too long because uh, I was born and raised in Brazil and and I started my career working in information technology and I was designing uh, decision support systems for about 10 or 12 years. So trying to help uh, big corporations write reports and figure out how to get data from different places and make better decisions. And then in 2000, I moved to the US uh, again to work in tech And I did that for about 10 years. And then uh, at the end of, I think it was around 2007 or eight, I really got uh, getting a a little bit of burnout. I was working as a consultant, traveling a lot, long days. And then I decided to shift careers a little bit. I always had a passion for physics, the environment. So I decided to take a break from work and get a master's in environmental science and management at uh, University University of uh, Santa Barbara, UCSB. And then after that, I really liked the school. I didn't want to go back to work. So I was uh, uh, fortunate to, to, to get into a PhD program at UC Santa Cruz. And then I started studying uh, ocean sciences, climate change. I love being near the coast. So I started uh, studying a little bit of the impacts of climate change on coastal communities not just from a physical standpoint and the problems, but also from a socio-economic. right? What about the people that live in, in, in these areas? How are we going to adapt to a changing climate? And then uh, at, towards the end of the PhD, I was looking at maybe teaching careers and, and other opportunities, but I kind of uh, uh, realized there was a big need for new ways of communicating some of the problems. Because uh, just one example, we had a, a Friday night, or Friday afternoon seminars at our department at the university. And then we would have these amazing scientists, as guest speakers, and they would come and talk to us and explain what was changing with the climate and and different aspects of it. And a lot of the times I I couldn't keep up. I I wasn't really understanding what they were saying. I was like, well, and I went through that uh, uh, imposter syndrome uh, uh, a little bit, like I'm not smart enough to be here. What's happening? But but then I started asking my colleagues and, and it was Kind of a common theme, unless you're in that very specific field, right? We were that you're learning marine biologists studying like phytoplankton, then you, you would kind of get into the research. And granted, that was kind of the goal of those labs is really to go, uh, deep into some of the science. But that's when I think, you know, this idea, uh, uh, kind of came to me, right? We were thinking of, I, I always played video games too, so I was always tuned with interactive. Uh, the PlayStation VR was coming out, uh, I think around, I don't, I don't remember the year, but it was around 2017, I want to say, but I was playing that and then the drones came out. I, I got a, a, a drone. I was flying the drone on the coast, taking like this beautiful aerial images, photographs. And then I thought, wow. And then I came home, I was playing a game in VR. I was like, whoa, why can't we use some of those? beautiful images, bring it into VR and maybe start communicating some of these issues that way. So that's kind of how I got to the idea, oh, maybe I can, uh, there's something here. And then I called some people and and, and kind of went from there.
0: Wow, it sounds amazing because it sounds that it was also born out of a, a passion yourself, like using these technologies. And seeing what what could be out of there, and mixing it or crossing it, creating this intersection with the this uh, problematic that happens sometimes with um in certain areas with the climatic change um part of your research right. and your investigation, so can you tell us a little bit about your implementation particular implementation of research that you have done now with Actually, virtual reality, and how you started to mm-hmm. use it,
1: yeah, so we started and then after I've kind of that had that idea, I called some some colleagues and uh we actually had to wait a little bit because we couldn't do everything we wanted with the with the oculus go when it came out, so when the quest finally like, okay, now we can uh, uh evolve, and we're pushing you know the technology to 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 its limits too, because we have these like three d models that we create and put it in there so but the process is—it's—I uh, like to say it's like a co-creation. So we talk to, we we meet with a coastal community, and now actually we're expanding beyond the coast. We can talk a little bit more about that too. But uh, we we meet with a community, we understand what their needs are. So and it's usually it's a project is focused on community outreach and engagement. So we want to uh, have a conversation with a specific audience. So we go through this design process of identifying who are we developing this experience for. And what are the key messages and takeaways that we want them to get once they go through that? And normally our projects are in partnerships with local organizations or cities that are on the ground having conversations with the community. So we co-create kind of, we, we do a, a storyboard of what the experience is going to be. We use a mixture of drone images with, uh, we use this process called photogrammetry to create 3D models from to the images and and then we draft uh, uh a script for the experience like what are the key points, how we want to talk about them. And uh I think it's been like three years now that we have a screenwriter on the team as well. So we we're really focusing more on the storytelling aspects of the experience and making sure that people can understand and relate the how are we touching them from a personal standpoint. So we we define the key locations that we're going to show. We show what kind of climate problems we want to attack. So if we look at sea level rise as an example, what time frames are we thinking? And what kind of uh, is it two feet or one meter, or three meters of sea level rise? When it's going to happen? And we we're always, by the way, very grounded on science. So we don't do, you know, we don't show cities underwater just for you know as a communication tool because that it's not going to happen in our lifetime. So like, well, let's focus on what's pressing, what's coming in the next, you know, 30 to 50 years and and also focus on some of the solutions. So we identify all those different components of the experience. We write the scripts. Uh, we collect the data on the field. You know, that's one of the things I, I was lucky enough to be able to retain. I do all the drone flights myself still most of the time. And, and, and we kind of put it all together. We use a, a Unity engine for, for the experience. And then we have, uh, the narration too. We talk to, we want to make sure that the, everything we do is inclusive. So we, we always have at least two languages, English and Spanish. And we just did a recent project in, in Florida where we had Creole, patient Creole as a language, and it turned out it was great. We had some challenges to make everything fit, like the timing of the the narration is very different in different languages. So that's kind of, we we go through this localization kind of process to make sure that the cultural references are right. And then we create the experience, we deploy them with our partners on the ground. So it's very common that we... We have community meetings, we have workshops, we bring is uh, we bring several headsets and then we structure these meetings where there's usually an introduction, uh, from someone from the city, maybe you know, a city planner or a climate action person. So we even had, uh, sometimes the mayor comes in to, to introduce the event. And then we have everyone go through the experience on the headsets. And typically we have, you know, 15, 20 headsets on those meetings. We get. We go through an hour or so. We get 40 people through it. And then we have a, a, a guided activity, a discussion about it because VR can be very introspective individual experience, right? So we kind of bring everyone out of that. Like, okay, now let's talk to your, your, your fellow friends, your neighbors, your, you know, folks from the city and let's talk about what can be done, how you can get, get engaged in the conversation as well. And that's all through. Uh, that immersive power of VR where you can actually see some of potential futures. Right? So we try to make it in a way that inspires people to like, Oh, this is something. Okay. I like that idea, but I have questions. Can we, what about this? So we find that conversations are much, uh, uh richer after they go through the VR compared to traditional communication methods. And, and I can talk a little bit more about the research we, we're doing on that uh, too, but.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's super, super interesting because it actually takes, as you mentioned, the highlight into consideration, the opinion of the final user, the community, and engage them inside to create this, this type of brainstorming of ideas on how the problem can be uh, tackled around involving yes. everybody, not just the city planning, uh making their own decisions you know uh isolated which typically that happens in government sections that they made their decisions based on the problematic or designs that are standards but the community is actually the major part of how the success of a project can come to you know to to fruit or not so i want to highlight uh, that this is giving the opportunity to that and that you are using these for actually these uh, actions, pl- plan actions, plans that uh, can help not only for the city, but as well for the communities. So in terms of the actual problematic or actual um situations that happen, could you expand a little bit more on the research and this part that you mentioned that, uh, have been the the fit part into the process of the creation of the experience?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So this is something I'm very passionate about research uh, as well and education. I still uh, teach uh, a a class on coastal management uh, in the fall. So we uh, made a partnership with a group at Stanford, the Virtual Human Interaction Lab. And we wrote a a peer-reviewed article last year about the use of our VR tools in community engagement and sea level rise. And it was a, I can send you the link to the paper. It's a great, uh, review of the literature of how virtual reality is being used, uh, to create pro-social behavior change, to, uh, add, create empathy, but also in disaster preparedness. And, and, and so there's some good references and some studies that have been done in the past that were finding similar results through our research as well, showing where you, you see things in virtual reality. It, it, it physiologically, even you react as of what you're seeing is real, right? I think our uh, audience here is very familiar with that 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 feeling, right? That VR kind of moment that and everyone has that uh, one moment that most people can relate to is like, oh, I saw that in VR. And that's when it hit me. It's like, oh, I'm in this place, or the emotion that came with that that uh, it sticks with people, right? So we've been using. The technology very kind of uh, carefully to design those experiences in ways that uh, people come out of it with like inspired to be part of the conversation and to take action because it's uh, climate change is such a daunting issue and, and it's so and it also accelerates so many other problems that we're already having to tackle that it can be very easily to fall into despair and crawl into a ball and be like I can't deal with this right So we try to make it interesting and interactive and and always always focusing on the solutions at the end of the experience so people can come out of it with more uh uh inspiration and there there's a researcher uh from uh King's College in London uh Chris de. And he's doing some really interesting research on how we make decisions and polarization and things like that. And, and he was, he found that more than 98% of all the stories related to the environment are negative in nature, right? And it's kind of expected because everything is a little bit of a mess right now. But if you really want to get people inspired and and bring them back to the conversation, we really need to focus on the storytelling aspect. So that's another part of research that we're incorporating and trying to make. More like telling the story. There's someone that lives on our uh, most recent experience in, uh, in Florida. We're looking at the impacts of sea level rise in three parks that are owned, uh, by the city. And then we interviewed locals and we got, what do you like about this park? And then we show them an image of the parking, the park flooded. And I was like, Oh my God, I, I bring my kids to play here. Where, where are we going to go? And then at the end we bring back, oh, what if we would restore this in a different way? What do you think of that? And then we have someone say, Oh, wow my kids are going to love it or you know my dog i bring my dog here this this is great so we try to relate some of those big issues with daily lives as well and vr allows us to do that right you can move into different scales you can show different futures so it's a, it's been um and we're continuing to do this the research right now we're working at the florida atlantic university on a research project Looking at, uh, the impacts of going through this experience in virtual reality versus using a tablet. So we have a questionnaire that we're going to, uh, interview folks and see measure various. There's a lot of variables that we're, we're measuring to see, you know, what, how it changes their learning, their perception about that, that, that issue, their sense of, uh, agency and auto efficacy uh, regarding the issue and, and confidence to discuss it and all those things that are, uh, I think are key for us to continue to develop some of the tools in more uh, inclusive ways as well.
0: Yeah, that sounds very, very exciting. All all the projects that are coming up and that you continue to work with. So, in terms of during the design of the experience and even the production of the experience, what have been maybe I I can every time that I ask this there might be many, but one of the most relevant or one one or two uh, main challenges that you have faced at creating this type of climatic change experiences for people?
1: I think there are a couple of things. Uh, one that's kind of surprising, but it's not... And, and I think it speaks to the power of VR as a, as a communication technology, because we use 2D maps, like Google Maps, visuals, to select the flooding scenarios, for instance, that we're going to show in VR. And then we we decide it's usually like a quick meeting. that's like, yeah, we're planning for, you know, three feet of sea level rise by 2050 or something like that. So here are the maps that we use on our planning scenarios. Then we send this to our artists and they do this renderings that they're like on photographs, 3D images or 3D models. They're very realistic. And then we bring this back like the, to proof and then make the review. And I think nine out of 10 times people think, oh, no, this is wrong. This is not right. It's like they put a headset and look, no, this can't be right because it's too much. It's like, well, it's not. See the map that you've been using for the last 10 years is the same data. You're just seeing it in a different way. So that usually there are some cases where we stop the project and you're going to revise the models because they think, well, that can't. So that that's one interesting and kind of unexpected uh, challenge that we found, but just good because then people get you think, I think better. Or carefully about the models that they're, they're looking at, right? But I also found through some of the meetings that there's many people can't, uh, process maps the way that most of us can. Mm. And, and it's like, I've been with meetings where we show them a 2D map, like a Google map with a blue area showing some projected flood and, and that wouldn't register. So there's something that when you look at this powerful images now, it, it, it all of a sudden it hits and was like, Oh yeah, I get this now. So that, that's one. The other thing, uh, I think the technology is still, I think, new, uh, very new to some folks. There are some towns where we go that they, uh, 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 some folks that we work with that are not really into the technology. So there is a little barrier on the language, uh, the language and explaining what the deliverables are, the scope of the project. And when we say things like, oh, it's a 360 aerial view taken from a drone versus a 3D model. Uh, so the, all these concepts, it's, it, it's sometimes it's, it's, it's hard to, to get until we were, mm-hmm. we're closer to the end, right? So that's, that's another challenge that we're thinking. And, uh, at the beginning, the logistics of the events, it was a bit of a challenge too, but I think now we, we have a good, uh, uh procedure and process to really get, you know, uh, many people, you know, uh, through the headsets in a meaningful way and have the conversation, you know, in a, relatively short amount of time too so that's another
0: yeah that sounds that, interesting yeah. when you particularly mention the difficulty for some people to interact with the 2d maps i totally relate uh mm. my profession is engineering i'm an engineer actually oh, okay. and so the process of sometimes being in construction and having the 2d plans like for for, right. for the this the construction it's difficult for you to imagine the elevations, the new elevations of new buildings or new stuff that is going to be placed there. Or even when it's underground, you know, when right. under, underground, you have to imagine right now, which which something that is for me is like I'm amazed at how things humans have to evolve all the time is mm-hmm. that up to right now, all the engineering work and buildings that we've seen in the world have been like, been built like that, a little bit of right. imagination, and it's still with precision, with certain precision, which is amazing, because not every single human being have the same capability of the spatial sense or the imagining Absolutely. Things exactly things can be. Um, of course, there is serving, there is all of these things that have been helping, of course, But I feel that the drone technologies, the, the LiDAR scans, all of these uh, new technologies are revolutionizing now how for uh, engineering and construction and design and as well for uh, sciences, like the, the practice that you have helping in, in the, in the understanding and for people, the communities to understand what these elevations mean, like, or or for the ocean, right. like, what is gonna be the impact, or or what is gonna be the potential, you know, levels that could be in twenty years, thirty years. What are we gonna do? So that's what I love about virtual that really can show that future. It can show it now. So that's what is gonna make uh, better people like to take different actions. And I'm super excited that you are being have been supported for by the government or like the. Mm-hmm. Local organizations, local and, and external organizations, because typically it is a little bit more difficult for government agencies to, to try to understand this as well. Everybody's learning at this point, but I'm so glad that you've been supported by them. And it's such a good example, like example that we can showcase every time about how other uh, local organizations or external organizations can learn from that example and start the applications of these uh, particularly climate change applications from now. Okay. <laughs> That's amazing.
1: Yeah, no, no, yeah. thank you. Yeah.
0: I wanted to highlight that. And as well, um, you have a couple of particular experiences that you have created. i like to know why these ones, like which ones are those ones? Why yeah. those ones? And what is coming up?
1: <laughs> oh, absolutely. So a lot that we talked about is what we, is our sea level rise explorer platform that focus on coastal issues and focus on, you know, sea level rise, coastal storms, coastal erosion and other issues that are affecting uh, towns. So we have, I think we're working on our 10th city now, so it's been kind of a, a really rewarding uh process. I was looking at some of the analytics last week and we just hit 10,000 unique users across the, the experiences, which wow. was, I was blown away. I did not, when we started it, was like, well, if we can get Couple hundred people to see this that live in the town. That's going to be amazing. So mm-hmm. I think the, the, I can only speculate the impact of having 10,000 people being experiencing this, uh, issue and looking at solutions. So I'm hoping this will propagate some, some, some good positive impact. Mm-hmm. We did, uh, in 2019, uh, because wildfires here in California is such a, a big problem as well and Canada and Australia, Portugal, I mean, it's it's global now, but uh, uh, we reached out to the town of Paradise. There was a devastating wildfire there in 2018, so we we created with them and our colleagues from uh, the Nature Conservancy, which is a large uh, non-profit organization here in the U.S. We created a wildfire uh, experience as well. And, and that was super uh, interesting because the folks in the city were, they asked us to create a scene where you're in the forest as the fire comes. And I was really worried about that. It's like, well, that's going to trigger people. And like, re- you really want to do that. It's like, well, well, we'll make sure that folks that live here know that that's going to be included. But if you haven't seen or experienced, people have no concept what, what that's like. So we, we work with them and we created a wildfire uh version that was really good. I think it, it had a good impact as well. And we again talk about solutions, right? Maybe we can create buffers about some of this around some of this uh, towns that are on the in, in wildland uh what we call the urban wildland interface here. Uh but or maybe you don't rebuild in the same spot or what can you do, right? So always thinking of uh solutions. We did create a a great uh, experience called Dive, which is a a, a class. Actually, we got a grant from a a government action here in California to look at marine protected areas. So there's like national parks underwater. So we created an experience with an animated sea lion. Her name is Marina, and it's for kids. And she talks about the MPAs, marine protected areas. There is a class curriculum that goes with it. So our partners uh, uh with the Save Our Shores, the local nonprofit, they have 30 headsets and they go through all the like local schools and they teach a class. The kids put wow. the headsets on and then they talk about marine protected areas, why they're important, mm-hmm. what can you do there, that hopefully sparks some career interests on them as well. Mm-hmm. And then uh, what's coming next, uh, we're working on a really cool project. I'm super excited. It's called Sensorium. So the idea is to create a a company that's going to be a physical art installation, but also a virtual reality version where you're going to, the end state is going to have a conversation with the oceans to understand what's happening. right? But for the first phase, we're creating this uh, immersive visuals, focusing on some key issues that are affecting our, our global oceans now. So overfishing, ocean acidification, pollution, so we're, sea level rise even on the coasts. So we're creating this, uh, uh powerful images. So you're gonna go through this installation with uh, sound and, and projections. And we're collaborating with the uh, Center of Force major at the UC Santa Cruz uh, on that, and also the Alosphere which is a really good uh, uh, kind of physical installation as well at UC Santa Barbara. So we're in the process of uh, creating some of the scenes and working through that. And also working with a couple of other local towns on, on sea level rise and some coastal issues now with the, uh, in lieu of this, uh, uh, terrible weather that we had, right? Uh, all this uh, rain that I was mentioning with, when we started. So everyone's kind of, what happened is like, it's been, uh, uh, I don't think anyone that lives here and even long timers have ever seen such like tremendous impact in, in one season, right? So we're like, what can be done. And and I'm also working with the city on another kind of side project, super exciting, Um, looking at creating a a monitoring network on the coast of our city with cameras and sensors and drones and other things so we can measure these changes over time and figure okay, now it's, when is the time to take action? So what are the triggers and what adaptation options? And we're thinking of creating a VR experience for that where you choose your own adventure. So you start in 2020 and then you go, you're in 2025 and the beach is flooding now. So what do you want to do? You want to build a seawall or you want to raise the houses or add sand to the... And then you do that and you see that future happening. And then you go 20 years in the field. It's like, oh, that was not a good idea. because So you, you learn about trade-offs and in an interactive and immersive way too. So that's another one that I'm looking forward to kind of kick-starting.
0: Wow, I'm super excited about those ones. And actually, I find very interesting the use of data. And feeding the data into the experience for like more informed decisions, not only from, you know, the community, which is the educational part, but the actual science, right? Like to to combine them actually, not just having the data and read the data and then go do something, but also inside the actual, with the sensors and everything and see it in real time and all of that. I I am very excited about this.
1: Through storytelling, right? That's the, that's the other thing. You don't, Our goal is that you come out of this experience Mm -hmm. engaged with the issue, but not realizing that you just spent like five, seven minutes learning about sea level rise, right? That, that's not, it's really like, okay, this is, let's talk about this in a way that makes sense. So.
0: Yes. Yes. It's, it's uh, just like experiential. Not necessarily yeah, yeah. theory, but the experiential. Yes yeah, yes. yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. Yes. Thank you so much. It's been absolutely great to hear about all of these experiences that you're creating. Where can people reach out to you or experience these or, or get to know more about how they can contribute, how they can try anything from virtual planet and to, you yeah. know, understand more the impact of climate uh, change through VR?
1: Yeah, absolutely. So our website is virtualplanets.tech. So we, there's, uh, all our experiences are there. You can try the 360 films. There are links to download the VR experiences as well. We also have mobile applications too. And also my email, so, uh, uh, either Giuliano at gmail.com or Giuliano at virtualplanets.tech. And yeah, looking forward, always, uh, uh open to talk about this and always Curious about learning new ways that we can uh, partner and collaborate. A lot of our projects come from people that call us like, "Hey, we're thinking of something. What do you think?" And then we come up with an idea together. Sometimes we go after the funds together, and then we we get to do it. So it's a it's a really great uh, process.
0: Yeah, amazing! Thank you so much for sharing all of these insights, your experience, the journey, and how you are contributing to the world to make it a better place for everybody. So I really love this type of experiences, as I mentioned at the beginning, social impact experiences, in, uh, in applications of science. All of this is super exciting. And this is a very particular example about that. Thank you so much for taking the time to thank explain so us and educate us today.
1: Yeah, thank you. A pleasure.
0: Thank you so much. And see you in the next episode. Bye for now. Good.